0: you have given us we are thankful I pray oh father that you would cause us to be more and more generous with your money as we thank you for your provision in the name of Jesus amen please be seated you'll find a hymnal as we say seated and seeing 151 good Christian men rejoice you to find a copy of God's Word in the pew in front of you or on your phone or even perhaps one you might have brought as we look at Isaiah chapter 9 this morning, verses 6 and 7. In the pew Bible, you'll find that on page 729, 729 in the pew Bible. We're just looking at at two verses this morning, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you um, for the inspired word that you would uh, inspire your prophet Isaiah over 700 years before Christ was born uh, to foretell of the day uh the day that we mark today uh, so father i pray that you would by your spirit uh, work in our hearts uh, calls us to see jesus all the more clearly we pray for the the holy spirit's unction and anointing we pray these things in the name of christ our savior amen uh, did you send out birth announcements when your children were born uh we did uh we sent them i know for thomas did we send them for lizzie too i don't remember uh but I remember we sent them for, when Thomas was born, about 150 of them. Um, and, uh, you know, and maybe that's why we didn't do the second set. Uh, you know, and, and so on, on a birth announcement, you're, you're so excited. And, and it has the name of your child, and uh, it has the, the date of their birth, and even their weight and time of birth. You're, you're excited about celebrating their arrival. And you send these things, you know, we said about 150 or so, and... And we sent them to folks that we, you know, know. We, we know these people. That's why we sent them. Uh, we sent them mostly to family and friends. Um, we we sent them mostly to people in Alabama, although a few folks in Ohio and Georgia and Tennessee got them relatives who live out of the state. But you know, every good parent sees their child as a gift, as someone special and incredible, a blessing from God. But but outside the, the, the geographic area, the community in which the child is born, any child isn't going to have a, a, a huge impact beyond the confines of those who know him or her. And so you send that announcement to those with whom you are in community. What we read in Isaiah, though, is a different kind of birth announcement. In fact, it is a birth announcement that was written long, long before the birth of a child, longer than needed for the postal service, over 700 years. God inspired Isaiah to speak of a day of Emmanuel, the day Emmanuel would come. We learn later by a virgin, and here we we learn more about who the Messiah would be. and The impact of this child would go well beyond Bethlehem or Nazareth or Judea or Galilee, Even Israel itself, the importance of this birth would extend not just to every living person on earth, but at all of history before and afterwards, to the very edges of the universe and beyond, of eternity past and present. Indeed, there was never a birth like this before, and never will there be again. Why? Because God was coming in to the world. The child born to us, the Savior who is Christ, the Lord is Almighty God. And he is perfect man, our only hope in this life and the next. Well, the first thing I want to note this morning uh, is a phrase that appears twice in the opening lines of verse 6. Listen, listen for it. See if you can figure out what it is. For to us a child is born. For to us a son is given. Did, did you hear it? It, it? it appears twice. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. You know. You know what you give? you give gifts. In reading here in Isaiah chapter 9, we read of a gift that we are now reaping the rewards of, the gift of God himself, the gift of Jesus who came to save us. Uh, Kids, have you opened any presents this morning? Were were there presents involved? We were done by 6 30 at the Johnson household. It was amazing. Uh, John Luke, what time would you get up, young man? Five o'clock, wow. Anybody beat John Luke? No? Yes? (laughs) Uh, Right. And so on your gifts this morning, at least at our house, we had name tags. It said who it was from and who it was to. That's how you could determine if it was your gift or somebody else's. Now, when we think of the Messiah, when we think of Jesus, it's almost like he had a name tag on him. And it was from God, and who was it to? It was to you. It was to you. Jesus is a gift to you. How is Jesus a gift? Well, he came into this world to deal with the greatest problem that each and one of us have, that we were dead spiritually. And he came to make us alive. He came to deal with the fact that we were in rebellion against God and he came to change our hearts so that we might love God instead of hate him. We were guilty of all the sins that we had done and those that we had inherited from Adam and he came to pay for them. We were wandering aimlessly in this world, and He came to give us a purpose and a hope and a future with Him in the new heavens and the new earth. We were living for ourselves, 2 Corinthians tells us, and He came so that we might live no longer for ourselves, but we might live for Him. We were under the domain of sin and darkness, and He came and delivered us by bringing us into His kingdom of love and light. Quite a gift that was given to us. You know, you're uh, you're getting old when... Not just when you get clothes for Christmas, but you're also really excited about it. That happened to the, for the first year to me this year. Uh, not, not just that I was getting clothes, but I was really excited. I'm getting three dress shirts, two polos, a watch, and a raincoat. And y'all, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I'm excited because I, I need them. They're actual needs that I have. And you know, when you have a need, and especially a big need, and it is filled by someone, it makes you pretty excited. You know, I I wonder, um, well, I I don't wonder, I pray that the Lord would give me and you a a greater value, a a greater valuation of the gift that we've been given at Christmas. Not just today, not just today. But, but all year, every day. Well, let's read more about this, uh, this king, this gift. or Let's read more about the gift that was given to us. We find here that he was a king. The next line we, we read in verse 6 is, And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Um, do you know Handel's Messiah? Do you know this piece? Uh, I, I play it on my computer, um, well, actually a lot. And as I, was play, as I was writing my sermon, I was praying this, and as I was typing this into my computer, they were singing this exact line. Um, it was really cool how the Lord did that. Uh, but what does it mean that the government shall be upon his shoulder? Kids, uh, when you go to school, uh, how do you carry your backpack? You carry it on your shoulders, don't you? Why? Because God has made your body that your shoulders can carry a lot of weight. Well, You can bear the weight on your shoulders. This verse is saying that the child who is going to be born, who is Jesus, will carry upon his shoulders, he will carry the responsibility of the government. Now, we're not talking about the government of the United States. We're not talking about that Jesus is the president or the mayor or the governor. Instead, he is king, and not just king of North America or South America. He's the king, not just of the world. He's the king of, of all of creation. And he has a people, and he invites them into his kingdom. Uh, Isaiah is writing this over 700 years before Jesus comes, and he's living in a very tumultuous time. He's living in a time in which the northern kingdom of Israel, they have never had a good king. and the southern kingdom of Judah, they've had some good kings, but even they had some pretty significant issues, even even David itself. And in 722, the northern kingdom of Israel would cease to exist, and then about a century and a half later, 586 B.C., that the temple would be destroyed. Southern Judah would be utterly changed forever. He felt the need for a good king. You know, I wonder in our, in, our, in our lives that seem so crazy and busy, I wonder, do you feel the need for a good king? They needed a good king, and coming was a very good king. A better king, a king of righteousness, a just king, a king who would take up the responsibility. He would shoulder the responsibility of being king, of governing and protecting and leading his people. And this king, who was he? He is Jesus. And when he came to earth, he brought a new kingdom. Not the kind of kingdom that that many were looking for. See, he had much bigger plans, much bigger, much better plans than just a, a nation state of Israel. His plan was to offer salvation not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. His plan was for for the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of His glory. And He came and ushered in this, this new kingdom, this new spiritual kingdom. And in order to be in this kingdom, He comes and He rescues us. And He delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into His kingdom, the kingdom of Christ in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins this child this king was born to us and for us for you that he might rule and reign in our hearts and in our lives and our souls he came on christmas with the cross in view and the resurrecting resurrection of the empty tomb but i love what one of the ancient church fathers says a man named tertullian about this passage, he says that, uh, that this reference of the, sh- the government being on his shoulder. He said, "How did how did he have the government on his shoulder? How did he achieve this?" And it was because there was something else that would be upon his shoulders. It would be the cross as he carried it to Calvary, and then his shoulders would be in contact with the cross as he was nailed to it, that the king might save his people through his sacrifice. Well, in the final part of verse 6, we're given four names of this king, of this child who is a gift. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What's going on there? Well, kings then and now were and are given um, throne names, titles that went along with who they were and who they are. Uh, Charles III, we have a new king in England this year. He's Charles III. Um, His full name, though, are you ready for this? This is his full name, his legal full name. Charles III, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and his other realms and territories, king, head of the commonwealth, defender of the faith. This is his name. That would be hard to sign on your checks, wouldn't it? In this passage, Jesus is given four titles or four names. Let's, let's quickly go through them. First, he is wonderful counselor. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, counselor is someone who gives advice of what a person should say and do and think. And Jesus is the authoritative counselor because he wasn't just sent to tell us what God says, but he came as God and to do the will of his father. He is the word of God. He is the father revealed to us in flesh. And if we have looked upon Jesus, we have looked upon the Father. I think wonderful also describes not just his role as counselor, but the fact that he is wonderful to every Christian. Wonderful to every Christian. That God himself would come to us, be given to us in Christ, we talked about it last night, is too wonderful to, to even to describe in words. I think there's also reference here to the wonderful and miraculous deeds that Christ did during his earthly ministry. Secondly, though, he is mighty God. You know, this is perhaps a clearest reminder that this child who was born on Christmas Day was not just any child. He was not just any babe. While every child is a gift from God, this child was a gift to all of God's people and all of creation as God came himself. You know, whereas every king in Israel's history, even the greatest king, David, had failed time and time again, what they and what we needed is a king like none other. And this is the king who was and is God. God became man and was born not in a palace but in a stall, not to the sound of trumpets but to the sound of animals, not to the smell of perfume but to the smell of, well, livestock. Mighty God would enter into the estate of humiliation in order that his people might be exalted with him one day when mighty God comes again. God's might was on display in the cattle, cattle stall as the creator of all things was laid in a food trough given for me and for you. The third title, and it's a confusing one, is Everlasting Father. Have you ever wondered about this one? What, what does it mean that God the Son born into this world, is everlasting Father. Well, it's important to note that that Isaiah is not using Father in a Trinitarian sense here. He's not talking of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Rather, in those days, a, a king was known as the father of his people. He took up the responsibilities as being the father nationally of all his people and protecting them and providing for them. And so when God the Son was born into this world, the king coming, bringing his kingdom, he took up the responsibility of protecting, governing, and saving his people. And as a king, he is a good father to his people. You know, what's amazing is that that Jesus would willingly take up the responsibility of a people who were in rebellion against him. What kind of king does that? And he wouldn't just take up responsibility, but he would come and pay for those things, those transgressions, those acts of rebellion that you and I have done. And that's because the fourth title, that he is the Prince of Peace. Needed was a king who would bring peace to God's people. Bloodshed had characterized the rules and reigns of even the good kings in the Old Testament. You know, then the Assyrians came, and then the Babylonians, and the Greeks, and the Romans, one after the other. Plenty of blood in the streets. Needed was a king who would bring peace and freedom. But but Jesus came not just bring, or not in in that moment he didn't come to bring physical peace against the Romans. Although many wanted him to do that, they were disappointed and crucified him because he didn't do that. But y'all, he came to bring a a much greater peace to our hearts. You know, where there is transgression, there is no peace. Where there is guilt, there is no peace. And ultimately, we were not at peace with God. And we couldn't fix the problem. The the problem had to be fixed by God coming into this world to pay the price for peace. And what was the price? It was a life, death, burial, and resurrection of Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, peace is available to all those who trust in him for salvation. Peace for your soul. We've all lived in times in where our, our souls didn't have peace. But he offers it freely to each and every one of you, first in salvation and then also in his promises of provision and his presence and his love for you daily but there is one day when when the prince of peace will come again right and, 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 the, and the king will come back and it, and no longer will his rule and reign be primarily one of a spiritual and reign rather all of creation will be remade all of creation will be remade and we will live for those who love jesus his people for those whom He came to die and save, we will live with Him forever in the new heavens and the new earth with our Prince of Peace as we live in a world full of peace with no more strife, no more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. Christmas is much more than just a babe in a food trough and swaddling cloths and really fun songs to sing. Christmas is about the coming of salvation and peace for the souls of God's people. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, amen. Let's pray. Oh Father, we thank you uh, for Christmas Day. We thank you for the coming of salvation into this world. We pray these things in the name of Christ, amen. We're going to conclude our service as we stand and sing all the verses of 138, Go Tell It on the Mountain.
1: Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere.